Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter for as long as it survives, anyway. Um, this week I don't have an interview guest because I've missed the appointment, as I'm going to explain, so I just decided to describe what you should know about running back production, what you might think you know that actually you don't know, and uh, yeah, what to expect about running back production moving forward. The the interview appointment this week myself, and I couldn't find a makeup time, and then I got into being late on another thing, and and I'm I'm going slightly crazy. So you're just going to kind of get a a, a a solo pub where I brain splurge like the good old days and um, what am I up to I'm trying to this is all basically because I was like I'm gonna write an article that's not on the schedule and that literally apparently I can't take that much variance in my schedule so what are we looking at let me just turn my video light off because I'm trying to make every form of content all at the same time um, I'm researching running back production. Like, we've talked about it way too much, I feel like, but also I haven't put it all in one place. And I was like, oh, is this interesting? I asked the DLF Slack, and then, like, one of the DLF founding members is like, yeah, keep me updated, which means now I'm locked in. Now I have to do it. So, damn it. It's, it's one thing to think you kind of know a few things. It's another thing to try and put it all in one cons concise-ish, long-form, coherent words i don't know um where are we at let's start off with what i've recently been trying to find a way of doing um to do with that article running back production this episode is about running back prediction production what you should know what you don't know what you think you know that is a lie actually no i've decided to call it a misleading truth because it sounds fancy um all right uh, Adam Hostead, an article, uh, Connor, uh, Connor LaPlante, who you should know, um, I've talked about before, uh, he's in our Discord, um, he's a cool dude, um, what is it, yeah, he shared an article about running back production right in the middle of me trying to redo some of my own research and put it into this coherent form, and it was an article from Adam Hostead in 2017 that I do remember reading at the time, actually, talking about how the, uh, the age curve isn't true running back or wide receiver. Essentially, what he did is he went back and grabbed 50 running backs and 50 wide receivers who produced the top 50 results in a particular statistic and tried to demonstrate that just based on what an age curve pattern of a player um, should produce, whether it was true or false. Let me back up. If a player is meant to gradually get better, which he didn't deal with, and I have, actually. That's not true either. But, um, and then slowly decline in this arc-like fashion, then there are certain things that should happen in that situation that are uh, easier to prove or disprove without having to go through every single stage. So essentially what he said is, if you look at a player's last fantasy-relevant season and the year before they had their last fantasy-relevant season, then you should see a clear difference, on average, between the second-to-last season and their last season. Because that's how it works. Players decline, then drop off, and then they're gone in an age-curve world. And if not, then it would be a 50-50 proposition. 50% would actually improve, 50% would actually decline 
in their last year on any particular performance statistic. Now, the one he used had a really weird acronym. I'm sorry, Adam, it did. Um, I read into it and found out what it was. It's basically a form of VORP. It's basically value-based drafting for what was then, 2017, a more modern audience where value-based drafting had some errors, um, and he turned it into points per game. Either way, and what he found is it was basically 50%. Uh, 50% improved, 50% declined in their last year as opposed to the second to last year. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it, I thought there was some value in redoing that research, not to rewrite his article, but as an add-in, look, Adam proved this, and it's still true with modern or different statistics. I know modern, I was like, what, three, four, four, damn, that was five years ago now. Wow, I'm old. Anyway, um, and so what I did is I asked on Twitter and I went to PFF and I grabbed a bunch of stats that some people mentioned and just ran a similar but not exact version of what Adam was talking about. And I wanted statistics that were much more to do about performance. So one thing I knew I was going to get asked about or told about actually was that I should just watch the tape. In fact, just asking on Twitter, what is a good statistic that measures performance? I got told to watch the tape. No less than three separate times in three minutes. That's fun. Um, and that I'm sure that's a great test. It's just my t eyes don't test. It doesn't help me. So let's move on to something that is meant to. So what I did is grabbed all the PFS stats running, went back to 2006, which is as far as they have them from, and inserted them to my main DLF database and ran a similar test. What I actually did is grabbed... 50 players who've had multiple top 36 seasons, and then I weeded the ones out that didn't have at least three sample, three years with a PFF statistic, because not every player has a statistic every year. Some just had one, and that wasn't going to work for what I wanted to do. So it's a weird sample size, but fairly well-groomed. Um, and it's got 50 players in it, which is a magic number to recreate what Adam was basically doing. Um, and so elusiveness rating. About 56%, I think it came out, actually saw a decline the year before they had their last fantasy-relevant season. Last fantasy-relevant season defined as playing more than 8 games and having more than 10 opportunities. So not about the fantasy rank, just they were on the field getting a relatively fantasy-relevant um, level of volume. And they may have been someone you were thinking about starting or sitting. Um uh, that was an aside. That's the definition of the relevant. Explosiveness rating, which I found the formula of on PFF, and then I downloaded the data and ran the formula. Um, yeah, 56% uh, actually declined in their last year compared to their second to last year. About 52% declined based on the average. Now, that's nowhere near significant enough to say it's not a random variable. In fact, it just backs up what Adam was showing with value of a baseline was the stat he was using, if I remember right. Um, I also ran it on yards after contact per attempt, which was one that was suggested to me on Twitter and also PFF happens to have. So that's after you are contacted um, on a run play, how many yards do you get after that point on average on a per attempt basis? And again, I'm only using players that have touching the ball at least or getting 10 opportunities. That's targets or rushing attempts. And so that's actually a significant enough sample to use such a per attempt sample, um, in my opinion. And it was actually slightly worse. 54% saw a uh, decline from their second last year to their last year of fantasy relevance. In fact, all of those are offering a very, very generous definition of 
um, decline because that's just with a 0% definition, where in fact on a year-over-year basis on the, the, the elusiveness rating, there's a 14% variance from one year to the next, just on average of all 50 of those players. So the elusiveness rating, even if players are just holding steady and in their peak careers, like think Le'Veon Bell most years, um, and he was in the sample, and his elusiveness rating still went up or down to the tune of about 14%. And I'm defining it at zero as a drop-off. So it's actually very, very generous. And it's still coming up pretty much as a 50-50 proposition. I also ran it on yards per team attempt. Because that's a statistic I know. And know works fairly well. I ran it on um, everything I could think of. And it came up roughly. Especially even if I gave it that generous definition of any kind of decline. Like if you're running like 2.1 yards per team attempt and the next year you're running 1.9, that's not really a decline. We would mostly call that holding steady, which is actually a point that Adam Hanstead made in his original article about value over baseline. And yet I was defining even such a small change as a decline. And still, across anything I could run, it was basically a 50-50 proposition. Now what does that all mean? Essentially, if you're looking at Alvin Kamara's stats this year and thinking he looks like he's not doing as good as he has done for his career, because I compared it to the average as well, not just the second to last season, um, and that means he is probably in decline, the answer is no, probably not, actually. Well, actually, <laughs> the answer is you have no idea if he's in decline, because running backs don't decline. Players, in fact, don't decline and then stop being fantasy relevant. They are fantasy relevant, and then they are not. It's much more a cliff situation. And that, again, is still true no matter what statistic you want to throw out. Um, Adam's research just using value over baseline production uh, five years ago is still perfectly accurate with any statistic you want to mention. That has That is any kind of good, at least. Um, don't yards per carry me, bro. It, it's, it's an irrelevant stat, and I didn't even check it because it's yards per carry, and you should never check it. Um, so, uh, what does that mean? Well, combining that with some of the research I'm doing, what I found really interesting is there are, there are tree trunks, or there are trunks, like a tree, and through the history of running back production, that all other production seems to hang off. Originally, it's the 2001 class, then it's the 2008 class, then it's the 2017 class. Now, there are many good players in all of those years surrounding those uh, trunks that have top 12 seasons but those three classes since 2000 offer the majority I would say of top 12 seasons and they are consistently and prolonged for an excessive amount of time compared to other classes putting up a significant percentage of the top 12 seasons on a year-over-year basis. In other words it's not that production is young at the running back position that average fallacy that age curve mentality in fact production is as old as the good players happen to be which makes a lot of sense when you just look at it from another point of view age even though we think of it as having an effect on performance seems not to um although it doesn't continue to increase the risk you are going to stop producing moves to fiji and start your lilo farm obviously but it doesn't actually tell you anything about their ability. It's not a function of their game. In the same way the career year isn't a feature, isn't a statistic about the player's ability or what they've done or what they're doing or how they do it for that matter. It's just a common 
uh, category that we can compare players across. And I think it does have utility. But if you're going to use something of that nature to analyze an individual player, you can't look at the average. That's where it's going to lie. That's where it's going to be a misbehaving truth. Instead, we should try to take the lessons we can from the average to reevaluate individual player situations. So something I notice about these three classes is the 2001 and 2008 class kind of overlap. The start of the 2008 era, not just the 2008 class, but the 2008 era, actually begins as the 2001 era is fading. They are in the top 12 at the same time as the early 2008 era running backs are starting to get a certain percentage of the top 12 seasons uh, on a year-by-year basis. Whereas the 2008 does not overlap with the 2017 era. In fact, what we've got is this little mid-ground that I'm going to call the girly group for no particular reason, where we start to see the beginnings of players in their first, second, third year, or at age 22, 23, 24, it works no matter whether you're going through age or career year, that are starting to develop a certain percentage of the top 12 seasons on a year-over-year basis. And then it just stops for some reason, that we won't describe, and then the 2017 class happens. What I think we have going on right now in fantasy is the belief that there is something new going on at the running back position because of this mid-girly group, which feel makes the trends at the running back position feel weird. If you look at the average age of top 12 running backs, there is an increasing decline from 2000 all the way down to 2021, ignoring 2022 for right now. <coughs> However, if you actually look at the graph, you'll see plenty of seasons where the average age is actually over the uh, well over the average of the players in the top 12 in 2000 or 2001. What's going on there? Well, production is waving based on the age of players actually on the field. Put it another way. Running pr production isn't getting younger from 2000 to 2021. What's happening is a, a, an extreme arc of the 2017 class because not only are they more productive and more involved in the top 12 than the 2008 or the 2001 season, they've done it more consistently and there are more of them from that era who are actually doing it, especially when you take into account that middle girly group that also starts to in, uh, increase the points per game of younger players through that era. And that's before we get to Saquon Barkley, who wasn't drafted in 2017, because it's important to remember, while I'm referring to these three eras as that class, it's not really, because we're not going to take an individual lesson from this kind of analysis. So it's not just be interested in 2017 running backs, it's, being, it's, it's apply the concept of these trends to an individual case. So just because Saquon Barkley isn't drafted in 2017 doesn't mean he's not a mid-career running back who is very proven. He's not going to drop off because he gets a year older, although he is an increased risk every year that he might get injured or move to Fiji and start a Lilo farm because that's the way time works. But his age doesn't necessarily indicate he should be worse, although we do know it happens at some point. And his statistics no matter which statistics we want to look at, um, don't indicate whether there should or shouldn't be a continued drop-off because the age curve mentality is not true or it's a misbehaving truth at best. So any of his stats that might look subpar for Gurley's average 
don't tell us that that should continue. He's as likely to improve in that statistic as he is to decline in it or to continue to decline from this point on. Same with Avon Kamara and Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. Now, all of those players also have different situations going on. Um, Leonard Fournette probably isn't long for that team. And that team probably isn't long for this level of volume for fairly obvious reasons. So it's not like he's definitely going to continue to be a top 12 running back from here on out. There are other risk factors. We're not going to apply that broad trend to Leonard Fournette, but we are going to try and understand what we can from those broad trends about Leonard Fournette. He's probably no better or worse next year than he is this year. But he is an increasing risk. And once you add on those extra factors of the team situation, of the quarterback situation, of his contract situation, then you have to wonder if he's, well, then it's fair to conclude he might be worth slightly less in Dynasty than some of the other aging running backs if you're not purely thinking of competing this year. Didn't know why I didn't plan to go into Leonard Fournette on that one, but he's a fairly good example of how you go from the average to an individual player, so why not? All right, uh, back to the uh, back to the trend, though. Um, history doesn't repeat, but it can and does have a familiar color and flavor sometimes. Something I find interesting is that the Devi community is, as we know, very high in the 23 class, to the point that all the picks are traded already, and whoever has them is the highest on those picks, and so they're probably not getting traded again. But they're also fairly good at this, right? We shouldn't expect them to be wrong. So what does that mean for the 2001, 2008, and then 2017? Are we seeing the emergence of a new running back class early? Perhaps. Because the one thing we know about the 2008 and 2017 lack of overlap is that that overlap is not guaranteed. That's the lesson I take from that. While there are these commonalities to the production of the top 12 running backs hanging from certain tree branches through different eras, it's also true that you can get a Todd Gurley group. And we might have a, what's his name, Bajan Robinson group that comes a little bit too early. Um, all right, so what does that mean? Is the average age of running backs going to decrease drastically over the next five years and the points per game increase? No, actually. I th actually find... One of the more interesting trends I've looked at is between 2011 and 2016. So in this girly group era, we have an average age of the top 25, top 12 running backs over the age of 25, which is above average for the top 12 running backs, to be honest. But we also have the, a points per game average of 17 points per game, which is more similar to 2021 than it is 2022, because it's actually gone up back up towards um, uh, 18 points per game. By the way, the three things I said all off-season on YouTube, please, please, check check out my content. I, I get so few, so little right. And this year, getting anything right has been difficult. Was that there would be fewer breakouts, there would be an older top 12, uh, and disappointing breakouts is actually what I called it. Um, and a higher points per game. Those three things, and I got a lot wrong this year. I really regressed this year. But those three things, my breakout trends research, even though all the breakouts failed, apart from CD Lamb, I think he's still going to do it, um, were right. The average age of the top 12 players is still higher than it has, is on average. The older running backs are producing was our main takeaway from that. Gurley and CMC, Avon Kamara. <clears throat> Pardon me. 
Um, there are fewer breakouts and slightly more maybe fly-by-night breakouts. Damian Pierce might get into the top 12. He's pretty close already. Ramondre Stevenson is already in the top 12, but he's a New England running back. Feels a little more fly-by-night, doesn't it? Bit girly groupish. And then um, the points per game is up. We're averaging 18 points per game in the top 12 right now, not 17. So, like, I feel pretty good about that. Got a lot, got a lot wrong. But some of the core core things that I found this offseason are coming true. And I'll take a, whatever solace I can get at this point. All right. So what to expect going for, forward? Again, history doesn't repeat. So forget the trends for a second and apply it to individual players. I think it's very possible we see another weird era, one that doesn't fit the pure trend, but we can find the lessons in the trends to help us understand what's going to go on. I think this running back class is probably tree-worthy, tree-trunk-worthy, instead of just another branch from the 2017 class. But at the same time, I don't expect the 2017 class to go away. I mean, nothing stops Avon Kamara and CMC and Barkley being top 12 players because there's another top 12 running back drafted to another team, right? Unless Bajon Robinson gets drafted to their teams, in which case would just tilt, I guess. I think the average age of the top 12 players is going to continue. Like that 2011-2016, you can get good young players coming in and the average still stay high and the points per game still stay relatively similar. I, either we're going to see an explosion if those young running backs come in with the heat and fire of a 2008 and 2017 class, or we're going to see um, a few young players get back inside the top 12, and those older players still be competing, at least, to be in the top 12. We've still probably got another two years, two, three years at a couple of these players. And that's just based on those earlier two classes. And it's worth noting that the 2017 class blows both of those other classes out the water. I mean, the two other tree trunks look like saplings compared to the 2017 class. So I think expecting them to drop off sooner would be a mistake when you're comparing them to other great era running backs. Same with Saquon Barkley. Remember, we're more talking era. I'm using the year as kind of a shorthand term. So, yeah, um, what I'm doing right now, and I... what. I really haven't reached the end of the race. I don't know where my actionable take is yet. But where I'm at right now is outside of trading for 2023 picks, which is just something people have said for two years, and trying to get these young running backs and maybe these young wide receivers that are coming in. Um, I'm very interested in trading the current young running backs for the older running backs with pluses if possible and to maintain your points per game and increase your value. While at the same time, being really interested in young running backs right now who are being discounted. The average top 12 ADP at running back position is as low as it's ever been since 2017. Again, that doesn't speak to production trends. Christian McCaffrey was drafted as the running back 11 before the 2017 season. And he's got to be one of the, based on the fact that that was the lowest ADP we'd seen in three years at that point for the top 12 running backs. He probably came at a bigger value than any of the top 12 running back hit. And it was Christian McCaffrey. So that's got to have been one of the best ADP values ever. Um, and right now, the ADP is as low as it's ever been for the top 12 players. 
as that 2017 class. I'm not so again. Don't apply a broad trend to a specific player. So the running back 11 in August this year isn't going to be Christian McCaffrey, but I think Brees Hall, Javante Williams, even maybe Najee Harris, who I'm going to keep including in that conversation, at me haters, and. Uh, uh, Devontae Smith are really interesting if you get them at values like those are my biggest targets in Dynasty right now and it's really awkward because they're running backs and they have so many other risk factors but if the discount is there those are the ones I would go looking for first outside of that is trading the other young running backs and I'm sorry Travis Etienne is on my list for this because he's productive and young right now which means he's got like a double count situation going on Trading Travis Etienne or Damian Pierce or Ken Walker for one of those older running backs because getting him over to the wide receiver position is obviously the move, but I'm sticking with the running back position right now. And I think it's a really interesting idea if you're competitive right now, trade him into those older running backs and get a plus that you can perhaps use to go get one of those younger running backs or more draft capital to try and get some of these new running backs. Again, I'm not quite that it's not a final thought you know but that's where my head's at right now with where the running back prediction production is I mean got a lot wrong this season for sure I hate 2022 it sucks to regress but the core information I took from what happens with production does seem to have been proven true the new things I found at least and in 2022 in this hell of a season in some ways and so that's just confirmation bias i guess but that means i want to continue thinking that way and by applying those same thoughts to this class that's kind of where or this era that's where i'm coming to and what to expect going forward we were very right on what to expect and barkley and cmc if we were able to get them even though a really high value bad dynasty year because there was no really obvious cheap discount players um turned out to be right and so i want to keep going with that so what how does that progress into this off season and next year right now that's where i'm at i want to trade younger running backs into those older running backs outside of the young discounted ones those are the first targets just because you know dynasty player um and try and get access to the new ones if i can because it could be a very new like a positive girly group like girly group but on the other extreme, like we could see like another tree branch, a tree trunk emerge instead of just a branch. And literally, I, I, that hasn't happened before. We've seen spurts of it. Other classes with as prevalent top 12 percentages year over year, but then they fall off compared to those main branches, which is what makes them look like tree trunks. We've seen similar, but never anything quite like what could happen with this if the running back class of the 2023 uh, rookie class is really as good as some Devi community analysts seem to be suggesting. Having said that, I'm really interested in JSN. He's like the only guy's statistics I've ever looked at. So the wide receivers are going to be interesting this year too, obviously. But anyway, that's what that's what's frazzling up my head this week. I think it's really interesting. Um, uh, and I think it's, kind of the core of moves to make in dynasty right now outside of you know trade for chris alave and you know anything else i you know come up with for next week um we do have an interview for next week i have to do that tomorrow on two hours sleep or so so uh that's gonna happen and so don't worry uh not another solo show next week but let me know what you think of running backs like i'm really trying to reach a 
better actionable conclusion, a more concise one. So I'd be really interested to know if you think I said something and I've missed it or like that was just a bunch of thoughts. Like anything occurred to you, let me know because uh, my head's frazzled. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to the Dynasty Crossroads again. I hope. Hope you made it this far and I will see you again uh, Yeah, next next week. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.